and it's very, very uh, sad. Another way of looking at things too, like for us here, have you ever had the silent treatment? Like, you get shut off. There's a few strange looks there. Now you obviously don't know what that is. Another word we could call it is the cold shoulder. They don't want to know you. Or there's a new term now called ghosting. Have you heard of that? Okay, you look it up on the phone. It's dealing with your social media. Look, probably not working for you older people, but the younger ones here would know what... Do you know what that is, younger ones? Yeah, see, they're nodding. Okay, when you get ghosted, over and out. You're getting shut down. Is it right? You don't want to know them. Okay, so that's what ghosting is there. Older ones, that's uh, what's going on. Now, this morning, I want to share a story with you found in the book of Matthew, and it's the story of Peter found there in uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 26. So Peter and Jesus were close. Would you say that they're friends? Friends? Yeah, yeah good friends. Okay, hang in there. Now, Peter was sitting, in the, uh, sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you are talking about. Okay, so see what's going on here. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it again with an oath, I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them, your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Okay, he's a friend. Immediately, the rooster crowed. And you know the rest of the story. This morning, I want to share with you what I believe is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. And it's found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. Matthew 7, 23. And it reads that I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Jesus is telling us about his second coming, the very event that we are looking forward to. Eternal life. It's the hope we have. Who wants to go to heaven here this morning? Yeah, we want to go to heaven, don't we? There's... There's more to it than just coming to church, isn't there? The reward. We want to go to heaven. It's a hope. But there will be people fully expecting to be there, but Jesus is going to tell them, I never knew you. Can you imagine those words for a moment? The feelings of being absolutely, totally lost, rejected, no way back. And the biggest question is, why? Why? Let's go back a couple of verses there. Back to verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, 
Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Imagine that you have lived your life thinking that you have truly lived your faith, you have truly served God, and then find out that you are rejected. We're all good people here in this place this morning. We try to do the right thing. We go to church. We do things to support our church. Maybe for some of you, you have given up a lot of things to be a Christian. There is no way that Jesus would turn us away, is there? Jesus wouldn't turn you away, would he? There will be people fully expecting to be there when Jesus comes back again. But Jesus will tell them, I never knew you. The question this morning, how can you have the absolute assurance, the certainty, the confidence, the security and hope for the future? Have you ever thought about this assurance and what it really means? And I know I have, and I have struggled with it for a period of time, this assurance that I'm talking about here this, this morning. How can we have this life assurance, not life insurance, where you pay for certainty? How can we be certain that when Jesus comes, he will not say to me, depart from me, I never knew you? To put it simply, how do you know if you're saved? Have you ever been somewhere away from your church and someone's hit you up with the question, are you saved? Like outside of church here I'm talking about. Uh, how do you feel about that? Maybe you're a little bit of a, oh, I'm not sure what to say here, I've got to get it right. Um, so all sort of thoughts race through your mind. You feel a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit lost to get the words just right. What do I say? Then you walk away, yourself, walk away and then you ask yourself, oh, am I really saved? Is our place in heaven automatically guaranteed when we just utter a short prayer? For many people, that's all it is. And it can lead us to a false sense of security by suggesting that getting saved is much like getting vaccinated. Maybe not COVID vaccination. Do it once and everything is fine. Most of us realise that there's more to it than that. We realise that it's the starting point of an incredible journey. It's a gift. That's for everyone. But how are you going to respond to the gift? The decision to accept Jesus as our saviour is the beginning. This decision, this decision is followed by a lifelong journey of growing and learning and change as well. Could it be possible to confess that Jesus is our Lord and make some good life choices and still not be saved? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And this word here gets me. Many 
will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. He tells that there will be many. There's going to be people who are fully expecting to go to heaven and they're going to hear those words, depart from me, I never knew you. So for us as a church, uh, is there any possible way that anybody's going to miss out? Are there possibilities in here this morning? Is it me? Is it you? Is it a visitor? And I believe it's all because we could miss one very important point in that we do not truly know our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Hearing this, you could well think that, oh, well, I don't have a chance. The truth is that a lot of people out there just don't know how to go about getting this absolute assurance that I'm talking about. Sometimes we fail to truly understand what it really takes to be saved. There's an old saying, and, and most of you, especially you older ones, will know this one. There's an older saying that seems to be true. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Have you heard of that? I know in my industry it works very much like that. If you're connected correctly, it's not what you know, it's who you know. This is a spiritual lesson also for us that we need to understand. It's easy to get wrapped up in the what? As Adventists, we are good at the what. And, and we enjoy the what. But we can tend to lose sight of the who. In fact, we can be experts on the what, but if we don't truly and personally, personally know the who, Jesus, then the what by itself is not going to get you there. So where is this life assurance that we are talking about? In 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. And many of you know this one. You've got it in your memory banks. He who has the Son has life. But he who does not have the Son has not life. It's not what you know. It's who you know. And this verse tells us that we need to know Jesus to be saved. It's who you know. Verse 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. He who has the Son has life. You can have assurance. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 to 6, 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 to 6. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in, in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So here you can see there's these... There's snippets of, of information there that can guide and direct and, and show you the way. Jesus gives an invitation to all of us to know him. Remember, Jesus came to save. 
in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus knows your situation. He knows that for a lot of us we're worn, worn down, whether it's all the pressures of life or old age, whatever's going on, going on, Jesus knows and he understands. And he offers us something more. Accepting his teachings, it says, accept his teachings, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your lives. Whether we admit it or not, we all carry a burden of some kind that only Jesus can take care of. And Jesus asks only one thing from us, and that's to follow his way. He wants us to live by his word written in our hearts. And when we follow his way, we follow his will. That is, we live by what Jesus would do rather than the way that we would choose for ourselves. But the good news is, you have a choice. We make the choice. You choose the path. You choose the road. It's your choice. Jesus wants to walk beside us every step of the way. He wants to share in our happy times, our joys, but he wants to be there when the going is tough as well. He wants to be more than just a name to us. He wants to be part of us. And in our world, this could be difficult. Our lives are pretty full. Is your life full? I'm sure it is. And for a lot of us, we are quite capable of looking after ourselves. We can do it on our own. I can do it my way. Our relationship with Jesus should be stronger than any other relationship that we have. There in the book of Matthew, chapter 10, 37 and 39... It tells us that he who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That's pretty confronting, isn't it, to read that? It's putting it right out there. And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. Might sound a bit confusing, but just think about it for a moment. Jesus is telling us, if you think more highly of your family than me, then maybe you can never have the relationship with Je that Jesus wants to have with you. Who's number one in your life? Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 28. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And the expert said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus said, do this and you will live. Remember the text? 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, how does it go? He who has the Son has life. 
In any good relationship, there are essentials. And one thing in particular that must exist in a relationship for a relationship to last is communication. If there's little or no communication, uh, your relationship's not going to last, is it? It's going to die down. Well, it'll start to die, and then finally, if it, if it continues on with no communication, it's not, the relationship's not going to exist. It's finished. So here in Australia, I've just took a guess at this. You might have to pull me up on this. The divorce rate is what? 10%, 20%, 30, 40, 50. Okay, let's just settle 50, middle of the road. So let's just say the divorce rate is 50%. There's all sorts of reasons why couples do not last. Now this could be a reflection maybe on the lack of communication in the relationship. I oh, know there's lots of other reasons as well. The Bible tells us that our relationship with Jesus is often compared to a marriage. So he uses that illustration. Now, there would be marriages that, uh, there are marriages that struggle, and then there are marriages that will end up in divorce. So if our re relationship with, uh, with Jesus is like a marriage, I wonder how many of us are struggling in that relationship. And we certainly see the end results with some people where it's over and out. We also understand that just because people stay together and appear to be happily married doesn't necessarily mean that they're still in a loving relationship as well. We can put on the show. The marriage certificate in the, in the ring does not guarantee love and happiness. Being baptised and having your name on the church roll does not guarantee that our relationship with Jesus is going well either. And as time goes by, and as the fire, as I call it the fire, begins to die down little by little, suddenly you start to find yourself, well, oh, look, maybe not today. I'm too busy. I'm just too tired to be able to spend time in God's word. Look, I just don't know what to pray about. Look, I'll do it next week. And so the relationship suffers. So communication has to work in two ways. We have to talk and we have to listen. And in our relationship with God, our time to talk is through prayer. We need to ask ourselves how important is prayer in our lives? Like, who prays out there in the world today? Oh, they do when they start to play a game of football. You see a few of them, you know, doing praying so they can win the game. How important is prayer? The Bible is clear that Jesus had a constant need and a desire to pray to his Father. I have read that the average Christian spends about five minutes in prayer each day. So is five minutes good for, for all of you? Five minutes. Five minutes in prayer. Do you all put your hands up? Five minutes for prayer every day? Uh, is that good for any relationship? Five minutes? Um, yeah, and yet our relationship with Jesus should be the closest. I wonder why Christians spend so little time talking with their Lord. The most common excuse by far would be, oh, look, I'm just too busy. And yet the average person would spend one hour on the TV or on the social media, they oh, no, come on, let's go for two hours. Kids, three hours. 
a day on your devices. Okay, probably not so much for our older ones, or maybe. Oh, Marilyn's looking at me. Uh, you heard of Facebook, Instagram, uh, internet? Yeah, it can be all-consuming. Yeah. Five minutes with prayer, three hours on the other stuff. Our relationship with Jesus should be the closest. I wonder what my priorities are. What's your priorities? Prayer is a privilege by which we are drawn closer to God. Prayer is something that God has given to us where we can, where we can talk with him. It's an avenue through which we can also be slowly changed as well. Maybe a reason people don't spend much time in prayer because they don't know what to say. That could be a reason. But there's examples there. And I want you to help me with this example here this morning. And you know what it is. It's the Lord's Prayer. Can you help me with that one now? I'll leave. Right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. D, on prayer meeting the other night, she had a homeless woman there, and we were praying, and she could say the Lord's Prayer. And she lives down at Wilkes Park in a tent. Amazing, isn't it? Just truly amazing. We are also instructed to pray for all sorts of things too. Are you ever tempted? It tells you here in God's word, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So we should pray when you are tempted. Are you suffering? God's word tells you to pray when you are suffering. Prayer is about opening up yourself to God. Allowing ourselves to communicate with him. Because prayer is crucial, crucial in our relationship with God, Satan will be at work to give you every excuse not to pray. So this morning I'm just asking you, please make time to pray. So relationships are made up of talking and listening. Sometimes I get told I don't listen enough, and that's fair enough. We need to listen. You need to listen to the word of God daily. Why is the word of God so important? What? Why? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hey, have you ever talked to different people about the same thing? Like talk to you about that and I'm going to talk to you about that about the same thing and I'm going to talk to you and you get three different stories you ever had that and you walk away confused God has preserved his book to reveal himself to us and his love to us and through his word we are convicted of our need for a saviour and through this same book God has revealed the plan of salvation offered to all if you, will, if you will accept it. 
But knowledge does not automatically change us. Having a teachable spirit and an open heart to the leading of God's spirit is crucial when we listen to this book. Matthew 7, 24, 29. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Any builders here? Oh, there's two of us. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. Do you understand what a foundation is? It's the bit that you pay a lot of money for, but you can't see it. If you've got a crack in your house, it's because you've got a lousy foundation. Okay? It's not so much now with the newer homes, but a lot of older ones will move from season to season. Um, you'll get all sorts of issues. You can't see it. It's in the ground. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. Okay, he built his, hand on the, built his house on the sand. The rains came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Your biggest single investment in your life will be your house. But if, if, it, if there's not a good foundation there, you're going to blow your dough. That's it. It's as simple as that. Forget about the carpet, forget about the paint. You've got to have a solid foundation and it's the same for your spiritual lives as well. And you're going to get that from this book. Please listen to the word of God and apply it to your life. Adjust your life to the teachings. And if we come with the desire to do his will, God will give us a life-changing faith. And then people will see that the things that we do reflect the faith that you've got in your heart. We, also, we always say that actions speak louder than words. No matter who you are or what you've done in the past, no matter... How often you've turned him out of your life, he's still closer than you can ever imagine. Revelation tells us there that here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. The only people that Jesus will say that he never knew will be those who never felt the need to open the door to know him. Are you prepared to open that door in your life? He's there at the door. My prayer is that none of us will ever hear those words. Depart from me, I never knew you. I pray that each one of you will have a relationship with Jesus, that you'll get to know the who more so than the what. I pray this morning that you will live your life with a purpose as a Christian. You all have a purpose. You were made for God's family. You were created to become more like Christ. You were shaped for serving God. You were made for a mission I, I ask that we walk with Jesus each day and that you will find that assurance, that you can have that assurance that you are truly saved, that you can have that, that assurance that in a little while you'll be going home and that you'll hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. 
For you were faithful over a few things, and I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. My prayer is this morning that you will know for certain that you have that assurance in your life. Amen. We're going to close our service this morning with the singing of hymn number 626. In a little while, we're going home. Thank you. Oh.
Lord, it's the hope of each one of us that we will be there with you forever. And it's my prayer this morning that each one of us will work on that relationship with you, that we will spend time in prayer, that we'll study your word, that we'll have a teachable spirit, that, that the way that we live our lives will reflect the faith that we have, that we will be able to be as a, as a shining light to those round about us. Lord, we know that, there, that you come for all people to be saved. We just pray now that you'll bless each person here, that you'll guide and direct their lives and keep them safe is my prayer. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.